Welcome to the Plug Boats Podcast. I'm Jeff Butler of PlugBoats.com, the International Journal of Electric Boats. Today we'll be chatting with Kevin Desmond, almost certainly the world's leading authority on electric boats, having literally written the book on the subject, Electric Boats and Ships, a History. He was also one of the first chairmen of the UK's Electric Boat Association, helped in the founding of other national electric boat associations, and has some great stories about the early days of electric boating as well as some new, interesting, and exciting e-boat projects he's been working on. I spoke with Kevin at his home in France through the wonders of transatlantic Facebook messaging, so I'm afraid some of the sound quality reflects that, but it also captures his knowledge, enthusiasm, and thoughts about electric boats past, present, and future. So without any further ado, Kevin, how did you first become involved with electric boats? I was doing a book for the Guinness Superlatives Company uh, back in the 1970s, 1978, uh, which is called the Guinness Book of Motorboating Facts and Feats. And I went to the library of the Science Museum in South Kensington, London, to see what they got, because there weren't any previous books on the subject. So I was laterally thinking of where other places might have archives. And the Glaswegian librarian there said, would your research include electric boats? And I said, what are they? So he brings out this file, which is covered in dust and, and hemp rope, you know, old-fashioned string. And there, the very old press cuttings show that in the 1890s, 1900s, there were these things called electric boats, which had batteries. And so, okay, I was going to use it in my, my book on, and I did put a section in on it, including something about a guy I was going to learn a lot more about later, called Gustav Trouvé. Anyway, as journalists do, and I got the information, I thought I could flog it again to Motorboat and Yachting Magazine. And I wrote a article, The Silent Age of Battery Boating. And at the end, I said, maybe a good idea to bring these things back. And the following day, I had a phone call from um, an admiral saying, we have. I said, you've had what, sir? We brought them back. Come down to the Upper Thames. We'll show you. And uh, I went down to the Upper Thames. And there was this Edwardian-looking boat with an electric motor called Patricia. Just one boat? I think there are about four or five of them here and there along the Thames. Thing. But I tell you, I'd written a lot about powerboat racing, noisy powerboat racing. I'd been to big powerboat races in Detroit and elsewhere. And I got on this boat, and I think I had what most people have. This is called the electric boat epiphany, which is where you suddenly realize how quiet and peaceful they are. And that, that was the beginning, I suppose. Then the next thing he said, well, we've got this little tiny association we've just founded. Would you like to come up? We meet with the electric development, uh, the electric development people in Barclays Square in London. Come over. Well, I lived in London, so so I became kind of the journalist of the fledgling association. And I started off by writing a column in a magazine called Canal and Riverboat called Electric Boat Scene, and my, my byline was Sparks. So I said, let's do a newsletter. We did this, and... Uh, so there you are, the diligent scribe for the Electric Boat Association. Then what happens is that uh, the then chairman, he had a health problem, and the secretary rang me one night. He said, I can't find anybody else to be chairman. I said, well, I'll be chairman. You will? Yes. So I became chairman. And once I was chairman, I kind of said, what can I do as chairman? I'd seen a picture of some boats in the Edwardian era where all the ladies had 
worn wonderful hats and had um, lots of flowers on the boats. And uh, I said, let's do an electric regatta on the Thames with lots and dress the boats up. And I can remember they looked at me and said, are you sure? I said, yes. We were going to go to Covent Garden and buy a load of flowers just in case nobody turned up with any flowers. But there were 25 boats that turned up and uh, we then ended up very quintessentially on a lawn at the side of the river having a picnic. What was exciting, Jeff, about this was that uh, when we all got them all in the, in the one lock gate and somebody took a picture, now nowadays you'd call that it went viral, but, but, but in those days it was said a lot of magazines sat up and said, oh, they exist because there's a number of them in one place. So a lovely regatta and picnic. What else popped into the new chairman's mind? The next thing was I happened to know a lady um, who was an aristocrat called the Count Fiona, Countess of Aaron in her seventies. A pioneering female powerboat racer of the time. And I said, Fiona, wouldn't it be nice to get an electric record? And she said, an electric what? Anyway, we, this was intriguing because again, we got together people from the electric vehicle side of things and the boat building side of things and we met in a place in London in Fleet Street called the Wig and Pen Club for journalists and they were on either side and they were speaking like it was like somebody trying Chinese talk, talking to a Greek. It was impossible. Uh, <laughs> but eventually they began to speak a new language, which is the language of an electric boat. And at that time, of course, people said electric boats and things were five, five, six, seven, eight miles an hour if you're lucky. Yeah, when you talk about a speed record, I mean, what kind of technology are you talking about here? Well, they were basically um, very simple lead-acid batteries, you know. Well, you must have had a few things to work out. We had a few teething problems, but we eventually, uh, Lady Aaron, bless her heart, went out on a rowing lake in the Midlands of England and uh, clocked up an average speed of 50 miles an hour. 50 miles an hour? Five zero? Yes. Uh, that's remarkable even for today. Wow. Well, speed is one thing. But the other thing, of course, that everyone always talks about is how far can you go? What's the range? One of the great pioneers of British electric boating, a chap called Rupert Latham, who had a boat called Frolic. And we got in the Frolic one day at one end of uh, the River Thames and cruised for 24 hours without recharging our batteries. I've never been so cold in my life. Um, but uh, what we did also was we actually got raised money for charity using a strange and wonderful piece of machinery called a Vodafone. We linked with a radio station for every kilometer we did without recharging our batteries. We got about a thousand quid for kids. It was, it was quite something. So great things happening with the EBA in the UK, but we're talking with you in France. Uh, how did that come about? What happened with me was I had a phone call from France from a Belgian yachting store and said, I'm making a museum in Bordeaux. I'll handle the sailing side. Will you do the motorboat side? You can come out and live here. So I come to Bordeaux. Um, three people took over from where I left off. One chairman, one magazine editor, and I forget what the other one did. But So they went on. And about six months in, I got a phone call from a professor from uh, Bordeaux University saying, um, we want to electrify regional boat here called a pinnace, um, a pinnace of Arcachon, and we rang uh, the Electric Boat Association, and they said, well, you stole our president in Bordeaux. <laughs> so two members of the Electricity Company of France, and two professors came up, and I had a half a, half a bottle of Glenfiddich whiskey, 
and we we actually established that day the French Electric Boat Association, the Association Francais pour le Bateau Electrique. That again started with one or two boats. We knew there were one or two lingering around France um, here and there. I also encouraged a number of people to create an electric boat association of the Americas, EBAA. We had a lovely guy called Ken Matthews who was very dynamic, ran a great magazine. There was a chap in Holland who was um, looking at his television screen and he saw the film of Fiona's boat. Oh, the 50 mile an hour speed record. Yes. And he said, that's interesting. I think I will do something in Holland. I think I'll make an electric boat association in Holland. He called it the Stichting Electric Fahren. And of course, um, he, he came over, got all the details, went back, made the, made the thing, went on an initial cruise around Holland saying this is an electric boat. And, uh, and it began to grow to the point where now, of course, uh, there are thousands of electric boats from Friesland, uh, all over the place. There was a guy uh, called Stein Wicken who uh, wanted to establish a, a Norwegian association. At that time, the Norwegians were very, very, uh, very um, involved with uh, oil rigs on the North Sea. They didn't get shipped for electric boats. They just wanted more petrol and becoming wealthy. So uh, poor Viking, I don't know whatever happened to him, but I think... I think we've got about two members before it disappeared. And now, of course, Norway is one of the leading countries in electric boat development. And I can't find him to say, what a pity we were too early, but still, never mind. That's the fate of pioneers. Now, to this day, you're still on the board of the Electric Boat Association. Um, but how did it come about that you wrote your book, Electric Boats and Ships, A History? What happened was that I had written a biography of, of Gustav Kruber, who is the boat, electric boat pioneer in terms of battery, rechargeable battery boats. And I wrote a book about him in French, which was financed because Trouve also invented many, many other things. And that having been done, I managed to get an American publisher called McFarland to publish an American version. And I had been writing quite regular articles for a magazine called Batteries International. And so the next thing was I did a book for McFarland entirely uh, on all the battery electrochemists from Volta right the way through um, to the present day. And I thought, well, when you've got a good publisher that likes you, keep on submitting ideas, I thought, let's do it. And I said, what about uh, an entire book on electric boats? And they said, silence. And they said, okay, prove it to us. And I started researching. A lot more research was necessary, but um, I had a lot of it in my archives already. And uh, the result was 2017, um, the, boat, the book was published, Electric Boats and Ships, A History, forward by Christoph Ballin of Torquedo, who's done a lot to promote electric boats uh, through his engines. I just want to put in for our listeners, Kevin, that Electric Boats and Ships, A History is an excellent book, totally comprehensive, and also has lots of great electric boat stories in that. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, you can also get it through Plugboats. We have a books page. Go to Plugboats, and you can buy it through there. But now, moving on from your book, uh, you've been involved in a number of projects in Venice. Tell us how that came about. Let me tell you about Venice from the beginning. Okay, 1989, we had a little um, competition for outboard engines, electric outboards, in a place in London called Little Venice. And at the time, I was talking to um, 
the, the then president and said, why don't we do something for Big Venice? Well, the result was that in 1989, a boat was launched in Venice uh, called the E1. And uh, this was built by entirely by Italian technology. And the idea was they were going to build a dozen of them, and each one, and they were all going to plug into the one boat to recharge, and she was going to be called a Grande Mamma. Um, but um, end of the thing, the thing was used for a, a year. Vested interest came back. It ended up being chopped up in a garage. The next thing happened was that in 1996, they tried another idea for a hydroelectric called the Lyoto, which was built, and then mysteriously, 2000, it disappeared into a garage. It seems like it's not very good luck to be an electric boat in Venice. So who killed the electric vaporetto? It's a electric car. No documentary was ever made about it. But um, I went to, two years ago, I went to a conference um, on an island near Venice called Chartosa, and I was horrified by the, the juddering noise of the vaporettos and, and the the wash and, and everything because one of the things that's hurting venice is the, is the wash that is gradually eroding the buildings and uh they are it seems ludicrous but they, they get divers who are going underwater with with underwater setting cement to to try and stock up store up the the buildings because one of these days they don't be careful some of these beautiful palaces are just going to slide into the, into into the canals and so i came back to Bordeaux and I thought let's do something and I knew that Amsterdam was had an agenda I wouldn't call it an agenda that they wanted to be 100% um, electric boats by 2025 so uh, I formed Venice Agenda and again for our listeners uh, Venice Agenda 2028 is an organization that Kevin founded to encourage uh, the the authorities of uh, Venice to have all of the boat traffic in the canals electrified by 2028. Now, when you form something like that, you do several things. Let's do a change.org. So a friend of mine helped us to set that one up. Um, I think the last heard of it was at 1,300, which is not, not very impressive, but I didn't really mediatize it as much as I should, I suppose. Well, we can try to help fix that. Listeners, you can sign the petition at veniceagenda2028.org. Then the next thing was that uh, a friend of mine, a chap called Paul Wagstaff, who did a lot for electric boats, given an MBA by the Queen, he said, I suggest you contact Inland Waterways International. And I did. And they said, well, we've got a guy in, in Venice. Um, we will link to him. A chap called Francesco Pazzolaio, who was part of the organization called Asso Nautica, which is association, nautical association it's a national body but there was a Venetian branch with the result that we started to formulate a thing and I knew that the Venetians about 1730-something they had a thing called a regatta why not we do something called the e-regatta an e-regatta because regatta is a word that goes back into, deep into Venetian history and um, you see the paintings of Canaletto with all the boats and the musician Antonio Vivaldi and uh, E-electric, obviously, a bit like the car company formula E-racing. And the Venice Boat Show came up last June, went there and um, talked about all sorts of things, the potential for electric boats for the Coast Guard, the potential for the Navy. I, I gave a speech in my best Italian, 
talked about the Hugh Gas and it, it sort of caught on and 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 somebody said, Well we could do one in Lake Como and then somebody said, Well we could do one down in Rome and it sort of grew it, it sort of literally grew organically. And I take it it's been gathering some momentum. We've actually got on our side Zela, who are the people who organise things like the Biennale Art, the Biennale Cinema and everything else in Venice. They're very enthusiastic about the, 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 the Irrigata, but also um, the Italian Motorboat Federation. Uh, and, and you talk to any Venetian, whether it's um, uh, a restaurateur or a man who sells masks or whatever, when you tell them about it, they have this wonderful feeling of, 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 of hope comes on their face. And they said, when is this? I want to come. So you could get a, a massive sort of circle of boats to watch this thing. And then that would, of course, uh, equate to the way you, you look at a canalettic painting. It's exactly the same in those days. Well, I'm sure it's not just the Venetians that would like to come. I would like to come, and I suspect there are many others. What could one expect to see at this new kind of sporting event? Okay, discipline number one is slalom. Slalom, because um, one of the things about being in Venice is that you have to weave in and out of boats all the time. Number two is what I call the e-ballerina. And the idea of this is that when you go to Venice, you'll find that these canals are very, some of them are very tight and require very, very precise maneuvering. Uh, so you realize that um, this is another discipline. And I thought, how are we going to do it? And it, and it came into, well, it's a bit like ice skating. You have to do a number of pirouettes. But then I said, wait a minute, ice skating is done to music. So I said, yes, but electric boats make no noise, so they could choose their own music their own, and, and they could play the music as they do it, which gives them a little bit of attraction to the whole thing. So e-ballerina, the following day, uh, there is this thing of accelerating uh, over a distance of between five to 700 meters and as you're accelerating your your speed is measured but also your wash which i think will be probably measured in centimeters and that then is linked to a point score system you'd also mentioned to me before we were recording about a six-hour endurance race one of the things about the e-regattas is that the six-hour one will be uh, the people on board the boats and each boat will have to take these three or four passengers these passengers will donate money uh, for their tickets, not buy their tickets. And um, the accumulated money donated will, um, in Venice in particular, probably go to a charity to make electric boats for handicapped kids in Venice. Well, it seems the only thing you need to make the e-regatta a huge success is some competitors. What has been the reaction from the electric boat manufacturers? Let me show you just an indicator I had a list of uh, 40 uh, boat builders across the world. There is no worry about Venice uh, and about Italy. They were all company with Riva, uh, Vita, uh, others, but were from the rest of the world. So you've got uh, North Carolina, Budson Woodcraft, a recent uh, commitment by Canadian Electric Boat, uh, maybe the possibility of Bow Lake. You have in Scandinavia, you're going to have Finland, uh, you're having Norway, Sweden, and maybe by tomorrow, Denmark, Holland, but there is already one naval architect. France, there's Naviwatt, 
It may be a member of the English Electric Road Association from the east. You can be pretty sure that the Dreamline yachts will come. I've heard that there's a boat being built in Croatia. Through contacts we have in Germany, there's probably a, maybe a Russian competitor. There's even the possibility uh, of a Chinese competitor because in the International Canal Conference, delegates were taken out on one of China's rivers and were amazed to discover that there are at least 40 to 50 electric boats in regular use. It may well be that China sends some somebody uh, or a boat over to compete. Well, I promised our listeners a past, present, and future of electric boating, and we've covered the past and the present and the near future. What do you see uh, in the long future for uh, for electric boating? Where, where do you think it's all headed? I think that uh, electric boats are in a, a very progressive state. They're waking up. They're waking up, and more and more people are coming out saying, "Hey, I'm going to build an electric boat. I'm going to do it." But it's actually following all from other forms of electric transport. Don't forget the the lithium-ion battery didn't come until 2007. I mean, recently you may have seen that the Nobel Peace Prize was got by three battery technologists. We thought we were doing amazing things if we could possibly think of a battery that might have an energy density of 31 watt-hours per kilo. You know, now, of course, it's gone to about 250. And then if the new battery types come in, we may get a 500. It must be very rewarding, or maybe surprising, or maybe a bit of both, I don't know, for you to have seen all these changes and this growth over the years. The richness of seeing something grow from a guy giving the telephone call saying we're building a boat on the Thames back in 1979, and to what it's become now, I don't know what the estimate is, but I believe it must be about 100,000 of every type of boat, whether it's the smallest mincoter up to the biggest tugboat. And did you ever expect that kind of growth? Yes, I did. you know why? Because when I wrote The History of Water Skiing, uh, there was a guy called Ralph Samuelson who, back in 1928, um, got a couple of boards and steamed them and, and then went skiing behind a, 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 a seaplane. And I, many years later, uh, I was able to correspond with, 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 with Samuelson. And uh, he actually said, I never dreamt that what I did just for a bit of fun would grow into something like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. But he did. So in a way, I'm not, as a historian, totally surprised by its growing. Um, I'm very, I'm very honoured uh, by its growing, uh, and I think it will. You know, you, you can't bury it anymore. It's going to go on and on growing, as you know, as a, as a very good vigilant uh, observer of electric boat development around the world, Jeff. You know that it's going to go, it's going to accelerate exponentially. Um, and it's very exciting. I think uh, what would have happened if when I went to the Science Museum Library that day, the librarian hadn't produced that uh, old file with old string, uh, and I never found out about electric boats. Well, Kevin, I can't think of a more fitting way to wrap up our conversation today. It's been fantastic talking with you, and thank you for sharing your memories and your stories and your insights into electric boating. And I'm sure we'll be checking in with you on a regular basis to find out how the e-regatta is progressing. That's it for today's Plug Boats podcast. 
I'm Jeff Butler, editor-publisher of PlugBoats.com. We've been chatting with Kevin Desmond, author of Electric Boats and Ships, A History, one of the first chairmen of the Electric Boat Association of the UK, founder of Venice Agenda 2028, a petition to be presented to the authorities of Venice, encouraging them to have the canals electrified by 2028, and Kevin is the creator of the E-Regatta. I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you'll tune in to our next Plug Boats podcast and visit PlugBoats.com for all the latest electric boat news from around the world. Music for the Plug Boats podcast is by bensound.com.